Would you like to add anything? No, I agree with the, 100% with what you said. Oh, wow. That must be something. What do you want? Hi, I'm Hippa Shunbo, and I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me for Mommy's Happy Hour. You see, I didn't know it then, but motherhood was and is the most challenging thing I've done to date. After a long struggle with infertility, feeling isolated from friends in the community, I had my twins at the age of 41. And the advice I got from people was always one extreme or the other. So here we are, two and a half years later, and I'm curious to figure out what advice and what theories have worked for mothers, catch up with them, and occasionally vent about the things we deal with daily. And that's what this show is going to be about. Now for this premiere episode, I decided to start off things slightly differently. The person in the hot seat for this episode, and every day for that matter, and I'm sure all you men can relate here, is my husband, Hazim Esim. I thought it would be interesting to start off with someone who's seeing me do all of it firsthand and has been with me on the journey from the very beginning. What are we doing here? Are we promoting having twins? Are we promoting having kids? Or are we deterring people? Are we telling people no, the facts? No, we're, just, we're oh. just talking about me and you as like a couple taking care of kids. Me and you, man and woman. Because you have a take on it and I have a different take on it. That's right. Here's what I'll tell you. What time did you go to sleep this uh, last night? I went to sleep at 10.30 and okay. I, and I and still time, didn't get enough sleep. Okay, and what time did you wake up this morning? I woke up at... I woke up at 6, of course, with the kids. Yes. And then I went back to sleep and let let the nanny handle them. Excellent. And I and I woke up finally at eight eight a.m. And by the way, I was still tired. Okay. And now it's nine twenty-five at night, and we've been doing this for close to forty-five minutes, and we're both going to go to sleep in like half an hour anyway. Well, you will. You. <laughs> That's funny. You're going to be up until two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. That's right. I need my me time. So your me time, you need me time after I go to bed too. Of course. This is a known fact. Every man will tell you this. I'm going to stay up with you tonight. Until 2 o'clock in the morning. I need my me time too. You'll be asleep on the couch by 11.30. So in an attempt to be professional about it all, we booked a slot in our calendars, synced up with our producer, until my husband decided that he wasn't up to talking to me that day. Because apparently, he was having a bad day. Yeah, sure. Welcome to my world, buddy. So we rescheduled. Correction. I rescheduled. I put a microphone in front of him. And I decided that we were going to reminisce about our first year as parents. That first year is a bit of a blur, to be fair. But uh, I think I was pretty hands-on from day one, actually. To be fair. I mean... I knew that was going to peeve you. No, I mean, the first couple of weeks, you just had the, the surgery and the kids, you know, popped out and uh, you weren't really in much of a state to take, take care of the kids for the first two weeks. So I was, uh, I was pretty much hands-on, I think, or as hands-on as father could be. But, okay, so sensitive. Anyways, but you got to admit, those first two weeks... Were hell. No, rewind back to before we had the kids. What advice did we get? It's so easy, it's so lovely, it's so nice, it's so easy, you'll love it, it's the best thing in the world. It's lovely, it's lovely, it's lovely. Shut up. Or we got the, oh my God, you guys are having twins, you guys are going to die. It is so tiring, it is so much work, you guys are, you guys are in for a rough ride. So when we had the twins the first two weeks, we were like, wow, this isn't that bad. What are people complaining about? It seems to be quite breezy. 
We were breezy. I have to say that this is exactly what I'm trying to tell you. You have no idea what was going on the first two weeks because my first memory of these twins was the very first night in hospital, okay, when you refused to give them whatever it was they were trying to give them and you wanted to oh, breastfeed formula. them. Formula. You formula. refused to give them formula and you were adamant on breastfeeding them. And for some reason, the kids wouldn't latch on. Do you remember that? No, I don't. So seven o'clock, we got to the hospital. Just a second. Just seven o'clock, we got to the hospital. Okay, they popped you in the operating room at around eight. For a C-section. For a C-section, which for some reason I decided to join. By nine o'clock, we were out, both pretty much white-faced. Um, by the time we both... I was to- unconscious, probably, because I had... Where are those drugs now? I need those drugs. Oh God, I need those drugs. So by the time the kids were out and we were all back in the room, it was probably like 10 o'clock. I don't think we slept a wink until 7 a.m. the next morning. You know, honestly, in the hospital, I don't remember those first 20, 48 hours. After the C-section, which didn't go very well, so that's another, that's another episode entirely. So the C-section went fine. No, it didn't go fine. They had to sedate me because I couldn't, I, I had a bad reaction to the, yeah, you're looking queasy, I know. Don't remember it, just forget the memory. I don't remember, in fact, those 48 hours, but I remember when we came back. At that point, I was pretty lucid. And I remember those first two weeks, not as difficult as I had imagined it would be. Are there any fathers listening to the show? There are fathers. My advice to you fathers, if your wives are gonna give C-section births, don't look behind the curtain or stay out of the room. Okay, no, but we're talking about now after we had the kids and they came home. Okay. So let's talk about the good memories. What are your good memories about that first year? I'm sure you can think of something. (laughs) Okay, no, I can tell you from when they were tiny, I remember the first thing I remember feeling is, oh my God, they're so small, they're going to break. And that was all I remember thinking. They're so tiny, don't drop them, don't trip up, don't fall over. They're just little things. I mean, you love them because they're your kids, but there's no real connection, I suppose. And plus there's always this fear of you're gonna, you're gonna break them, you're gonna drop them. You know, once they get a little bit bigger and they start to form a little bit and they have a, a, a tiny bit of a character and they start to look at you and smile, you know, then, then it becomes nice, it becomes lovely. And I remember it becomes progressively more lovely the older they get, what do I know? They're only two and a half. Yeah, I think the first year nothing got progressively better. So you had no connection with our kids. No, in the first six months, it's very difficult to have, I think, any kind of a connection because they're just, they're just crying and you don't know why and they're colicky. And... We had no idea. The first three months, all we worried about is burping them. Yes. And what else? Yeah, there was the feeding them on time, making sure they didn't sleep too long. Otherwise, there's something wrong, of course, if they slept too long. Anytime they coughed, sneezed, spit up, their noses were blocked, started crying. No, you're making it look so bleak. No, listen, the burping was the biggest issue because you remember, and how they slept. They oh, slept yeah. on their back or oh, they yes. slept on their tummy. Oh yes, that's correct. You couldn't, you can't put a baby in the first, I don't know how many months to sleep on their front. Otherwise they may stop breathing in the middle of the night. And if you leave them on their back for too long, it makes the shape of the head deformed or something like that. So you have to keep turning them over like roasted chickens or something. It was great. You're so not PC. No, not like deformed. No, they had to sleep on actually weights. They're supposed to be on their back. 
They're supposed to be sleeping on their back, but we, we turn them over on one side and the other side. Oh, good memory is our night nurse. She was brilliant. You remember those days when we'd be lurking in the streets waiting for her to arrive at night? Yes, I remember very well. Those were fun times, weren't they? It was fun when she showed up. Yeah, because we got the we got a break, but we were terrified. I think she used to take a day off. Yeah, it was Friday, and that was the worst fucking day of the week, remember? It was horrible. They always, always went ballistic those days, remember? Oh my God, we'd be at your mom's place having lunch, and the kids would be crying all day. Okay, as we were talking about, we were talking about good memories. These are good memories here. Good memories has them. <laughs> I thought you'd have more good memories than me, because I was like in a in a in a funk. What is the most daunting thing about becoming a parent? And yeah, that's a pretty obvious question, I think. I mean, it's just it's the usual stuff. Well, you go to the hospital, you're two people, you come home, there's someone or more else. You have to look after that thing. Scary. Don't be an asshole. What do you mean that thing? Because she's a human being. He, she. Yes, yes, he. You have to look after. You have to look after them. I mean, they're now, there's a new person or persons, and now they're your, your responsibility. And you have to look after them. You have to make sure that they, they're fed and they sleep well and they don't sleep too long and they and they're they're bathed and they're combed and they're clean and uh, you got to change the diapers and you got to make sure they don't have a rash and you got to give them the medicine when they're not feeling well okay well see it shows you like how men and men are from mars and women are from venus because for me the most daunting thing was not having that connection that every woman speaks about or that love connection that whatever they call that heart flutter I guess that was the most daunting thing I said, or what was it? It was like, what now? I remember that the most daunting thing was suddenly realizing that you had absolutely no time to yourself anymore. Yes, that is true. I we mean, up until to, now. We couldn't go to the movies. We couldn't go out to dinner on a whim. We couldn't go out for a walk. We couldn't do anything. I, that was something that we took for granted big time. And I think any new parent does is that you don't realize that your time is no longer yours when you become a parent. And at the same time, you want to kick yourself in the head for not taking advantage of that and complaining about things that seem trivial right now. Yeah, so tell your younger sister to stop complaining. Yeah, so this is Tanira. My younger sister doesn't have kids. If she's going to tell me that she's, she doesn't have time to do things, we will clobber her over the head. Okay. What annoyed you about me that first year? I'm sure there were many things, but I don't remember them, to be honest with you. Very politically correct answer. No, really. There must have been something that annoyed you about me. Oh, I will tell you what annoyed me about you. Okay. Oh my God, those days when you had to change a diaper. When changing a diaper takes all of 60 seconds flat, you would emerge after 15 minutes in complete meltdown mode. First of all, you had used up half the box of tissues to wipe the poop off of their butts. And then the other thing was like, you would be freaked out because you got a little speck of poop on your finger while you were changing that diaper. And now I can ask you, what are you doing for those 10 minutes when you're changing their diaper? Actually 10 minutes is, it took you 20 minutes to change a diaper. And by the time you change that diaper, they needed another diaper change. I think that's a little exaggerated on your part. 
I think no, I never exaggerate. Just a sec, just a second. I think the diaper change, okay, just because it doesn't go exactly according to your specifications, where the diaper change should take no longer than 35 and a half seconds at the most, okay, doesn't mean that I was loitering or taking my time. Yes, the diaper change, I thought, could be a nice experience for the child instead of taking them, flinging them on the thing, whipping their legs up, ripping that thing off, wiping their ass, putting another one back on. What experience, though, do you think that they, they would remember that diaper experience at that point in time? Was it more important to not annoy me, or was it more important to give them an experience that they never would remember in their lives? I think, to be honest, it was a question of trying to keep my own sanity, because if you forget, they'd probably pretty much be crying most of the time anyway. So I figured if you give them a nice diaper change where it's leisurely, then at least, you know, they might enjoy it a little bit or something and from time to time it did seem to work so you mean it was like a little a spa moment that they're getting their diaper changed and like groomed and butt like washed and that kind of thing is that what you mean i'm, I'm not sure what to say really but i just think that i had my own way of doing it and i think that that should be fine and I think that to answer your earlier question as well, probably one of the things that annoyed me the most about you was that you thought everything had to be done exactly according to the way that you wanted it done. Touche. No, but I did it better. Mommies always do it best. There's no doubt. How do you think our marriage shifted after we had kids? Because we were married for eight years, and I think... It seemed to have made it, well, for me, actually, in a way, our marriage got better. Yes, I would agree. Even though people kept on saying, you know what, don't have kids if your marriage is not completely 100%, because that will magnify your issues. But I say that having twins for us completely put any of our issues, which now I consider completely mm -hmm. asinine, that we completely put those on the back burner because at that point, after we had the kids, we had no time to think of ourselves or of any of those little things that we argued about quite frequently, perhaps. And I think that it was just really stupid, wasn't it? Yes, I would agree. I would say that the kids put things into perspective for you. They make you realize eventually what's important. I think having twins is very draining on the energy. No, that's not true. I think having twins is physically demanding and mentally demanding because when you have one child, usually it takes you know, both parents to look after that child and it's, I would assume, relatively comfortable. But when you have two kids, two babies, two infants that you're looking after at the same time, it's exponentially more difficult. Because essentially, one of you is handing, handling one of those kids most of the time. So essentially, you don't get a break. So you don't get time to think about the, uh, the stupid shit that uh, would, would bother you before. Unless there's something really, really major, you're just kind of focused on the kids. Looking back at it now, would you do anything differently? What, what would you tell yourself, your pre-kid self? I would actually tell you to answer that question. <laughs> what would I tell myself? I would tell myself to just accept my husband has his shortcomings. <laughs> Men are just inferior. No, 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 of course not. No, what would I tell myself? I would tell myself that not to worry about the silly things, first of all, certainly not worry about not having time and being exhausted. Definitely take full advantage of life. 
of the time you have. I mean, it's like you said, it's a responsibility. It's great. It's so nice. It's the nicest thing I've ever done having kids, but it is a responsibility and it's not one that, that as a mother, I take lightly. And I guess I don't think any mother would and not, not sweat the small stuff. And what would, what advice would you give to anybody who's about to have a child as a father, of course, as a nice hands-on father? I would say, uh, take your wife out to dinner, take her out to the movies, kill her. <laughs> uh, I would say, try not to worry too much because you know, you can probably do it. It's not that hard. But you know what? It, we've come, we have come a long way because when I think about, when I think about the first year compared to now, they're two and a half years old. We were terrified. I remember being terrified when you had to go to the, to work in the morning being terrified of being on my own with the kids. So actually my advice to mothers, I think it's always really nice to have support because actually it's really frightening. And like you said, I, I was terrified of being on my own just because I was just like, it's just all day long. I don't think you realize how it's just all day long. So anybody, to anybody who's having a rough time in their first year of parenting, I would definitely say, don't worry, it just you're just just around the corner and it is going to be great. I think that was when they turned a year or a couple months after that it really became much, much more fun. As soon as they started to walk. But my advice for any parent having a rough time would be think to yourself, thank God I don't have twins. And if you do have twins, think to yourself, thank God I don't have triplets. Because that shit is difficult. Are you just, you're going to make people be scared of having kids. No, I think it's great. Just the first year is challenging. It can be depressing. It can be very isolating as a woman. And as a man. No, you guys get to go to work. That's true. But work is work and there's no real outlet except for work. So when you're at work, you're at your holiday, but then you come back and there's no holiday. <laughs> it's tough the first year. My God, this sounds like an awful... Hassan, I was looking to you to be optimistic. This whole thing has like been so pessimistic. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that having kids isn't lovely. It is lovely. I want you to say the good stuff. Okay, say the having, good stuff. Okay, having kids is actually the best thing ever. But it does come with its challenges. It is not easy. However, when that little booger wakes you up in the morning and comes and jumps on you when they're whatever, two years old or something, it's the nicest thing in the world. You know, and when your daughter sees you upset and then she comes and she snuggles next to you and she leans into you and she doesn't leave you until you feel a little bit better, even though she has no clue about what's going on, it's the nicest thing in the world. It's true. I think that was one advice I got, I told, people gave me and that used to drive me crazy at the beginning when people used to say, you know what, this is the easiest part, wait, it gets more difficult. I'd be like, oh my God, why are they telling me this? So I think that it does, it's true, it does get harder in a way, but the harder is nice. It's actually much nicer. Well, I think it's harder in the first year if you have more than one, I think, because you have to worry about putting them to sleep and make sure that they eat. And then when you're done with one, then the other turns up and then you have to make sure that they're the same thing. So it's, it's difficult, it's tiring. But if it's just one, then it is actually quite easy because they don't do much in the first year. They 
wake up and they play a bit and they cry, cry a bit and then they eat a bit and then they sleep a bit. Then you have to make sure that, that you burp them properly. And then you have to change the diapers. But you could pretty much take them around with you anywhere as long as you're moving around. Outside it's probably not that difficult. It helps if you're in a country which isn't very, very polluted so that you can actually walk outside, which is probably one of the things that makes it more difficult here in Egypt. But if you have two, then you need to have someone to do that with the whole time. And if you don't, then the likelihood is you're probably going to have to stay at home. And if you stay at home, quite difficult with two. I remember now actually what something that used to bother me tremendously the first year, it was other people. Everybody gave us like, came to the over the house and gave us conflicting advice and was ordering us to do this or that and then would leave without even really helping us out. They'd stress us out and just leave. And oh yeah, and about the judgment, about the not being able to breastfeed for very long, the breast pump. Oh my God, the breast pump. <laughs> oh my God, the breast pump. That, that thing was, that shit was loud, remember? <laughs> oh my God, that was awful. And I'd fall asleep right there. And I'd have to hold the cup. Did you really? You know, I forgot that. I'd have to hold the cup until it was semi-full and then take it off and then take it and put it in the fridge and make sure that it's covered properly. And each boob would go in a different cup. They'd have to be separately sealed for some reason. Lucky you, it didn't last for that long. That was like, what, six weeks? Eight weeks? Something like that. Yeah, that was awful. We're very lucky with our kids. I have to say, my wife, there's one thing she did really, really, really well. It was a sleep training. I have to say she did a great job because Touchwood, our kids, they go to sleep at 7.30 and they pretty much don't wake up until six in the morning, pretty much every day. Our kids ask to go to bed. So good sleep training can make a huge, huge, huge difference because I'm sure that there's a lot of poor parents out there that sit there and they go back and forth and back and forth with their kids, walking around the house, taking them downstairs, taking them for rides, taking them for rides in their car, trying to make them go to sleep. No, we suffered for two weeks with the sleep training putting our kids to sleep, listening to them scream until they fell asleep, but it lasted two weeks. And since then, it's been fantastic. Oh, great. I like the way you were talking to me about, about me in the third person. I hope you didn't jinx our kids and they're gonna wake up in the middle of the night tonight. You know how we're very big on the evil eye. What was the advice that you got that actually you said to yourself, oh yeah, that person was completely, absolutely right. Or what was the advice that you got that you said, God, people were so wrong. I wish somebody had told me this as opposed to that. As far as I remember, the advice that we got was sort of split down into two, two different uh, categories. The advice that we, uh, or the experience that was shared by women was, oh my God, it's so lovely. It's so amazing. It's the best thing in the world. It's, it's unbelievable. I feel such a connection. And then uh, the guys, my friends, that uh, the advice that, uh, that they told us was, oh my God, sleep now because you're never going to sleep again. There's no real connection in the first six months. It's just a little blob. It's very tiring. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. To be fair, I mean, I think both sets of advice were, uh, were quite exaggerated and uh, not entirely correct. Okay, I remember getting a lot of advice about you have to follow a schedule. Which was right. Which was definitely right because we started doing that after four months of a lot of, we were really exhausted. Um, the other advice I got was nap when the children nap. That never happened. 
That definitely never happened. Uh, those were either the only, the the few minutes of peace I got that I wanted to like be like oh finally be able to breathe yeah, and be able be, to do something on my own. Yeah, but you'd be you'd be holding your breath the whole time, hoping they don't wake up anytime before they're supposed to. Exactly. So it was either you're you really need that time to regroup, so you definitely don't want to sleep, and at the same time you're stressed because you don't want them to wake up. You see, the problem is in the beginning is that you don't really establish too much of a connection, I think, in the first six months. So the thing is there and you love it, your son or your daughter or both, but it's so tiring and you feel like you're spending so much energy with no kind of return. And plus your life has just kind of gone out the window because you can't do anything for yourself anymore, that the whole thing just kind of becomes quite exhausting. It's not, it's not the old cliche of, Oh, sleep now because you'll never sleep again. That's not, that's not really entirely true. I mean, yes, we spent a lot of the time awake and maybe because my schedule is a bit different to yours. You sleep early, I sleep late. So I think that part was managed maybe reasonably well. Actually, that was one of the things that you reminded me. That's one of the things that worked well for us because when I've slept, you actually took the, the night shift right. because otherwise it, it worked out. In that sense, it worked out perfectly. What used to drive me crazy about your like late night escapades, actually, not escapades, but you're staying up late, was that you were able to take care of the kids when I was able to sleep. Right. <laughs> Good. Another important piece of advice is uh, a lot of people tell you... Uh, is this advice you want to give other people? Oh, for sure. But I remember people telling us, oh, it's so lovely and you have to do it on your own. And, and it's, it's not so nice with help. No, get help. Oh my God, I got the opposite. I got like, that was one thing, a piece of advice that people gave me all the time was you have to get with twins, you have to get a full-time nanny. And mind you, this was an issue after we had the kids is that we didn't have a nanny full-time, but also we didn't have one because our space didn't permit that. That was a big, big issue actually after we had kids. We had no privacy in the house. We had people at our place at all times. This is one of, those are one of the things that I did not think about at all when you have twins especially i think you need those people around you and it was really really exhausting because you're never able to completely unwind because you have always people in your space i can imagine you as a man that probably drove you insane at the beginning yeah and that's that was purely a function because the space we were in was small so i mean obviously it's it makes it much easier when family's there to help but if you're in a smaller space and it just kind of drives you nuts with the doorbell ringing every five minutes and someone else showing up so advice to people is to have a big space so you can allow for room to move around in your own space. Well, ideally, I mean, you know, it's easier said than done, I suppose. I mean, people live where they live, but uh, certainly, I mean, um, you know, I think family try and help, but I mean, it can, it can be a bit frustrating if, if you live in a small space and they're there all the time. So maybe make up some, uh, some guidelines as to, as to when people can visit when they can. It's not easy uh, with the twins because you don't know really what, uh, what kind of help you need, but I mean, Help is always appreciated. Not really. Not those first six months. It was very annoying. Yeah. It was very annoying. I think sometimes what was annoying, I mean, is, is it like you say, is it people showing up on their own schedules? I mean, you know, if you care and you want to help, then, then, you know, ask about like our own schedule. Because if you just had a long day and you just put the kid down finally to sleep and then someone knocks on your door 10 minutes later, you feel like you want to pull your own hair out. Oh, God, yes. You open the door with, with grimace on your face. It's the sister. Oh, it's you. Or the brother. Oh, what does he want? I know. That was awful. What was the scariest thing for you about having kids? I mean, I know one of my worries was the financial security. 
that's one thing I think people, we overlook. I don't know if other people think about it. I overlooked it. I said, I knew I, we need, I wanted to be in a way more financially stable, but it didn't occur to me how much expense, how much expense it would be having kids. Well, mind you, okay, we have two. No, it was just overwhelming. I was like, kind of like, oh my God. Okay, is that was that something that you thought about before we had kids? Actually, no, not really. And to be honest with you, uh, I worry about it more later when they start going to proper school and college. I think that's when the serious expenses are going to start to kick in. When they get older, they're going to want more clothes. I say we, we raise them as minimalist children. I agree. So they can wear the same pair of jeans for like 20 years. Oh, no, they grow. Okay, no, they, we can't, that can't happen. Okay, but minimalist. Good idea. Another worry of mine, which probably wasn't a worry for you as a man, was getting back to work. I thought that I, I, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get back to work right away. I mean, two and a half years later, and I'm still not at work. What I find funny is that while you were at the hospital giving birth, you were telling people, and I think even from a couple of weeks before then, you'd be telling people, oh, I'll be back at work in two weeks, three weeks, tops. I know, two and a half years later, I still can't focus. I've become, and I don't know if it's just because it's a lack of organization or it's just the way it is at the beginning of motherhood or is it that my IQ has dropped dramatically and I can't, I'm no, not able I'll to tell you focus what it anymore. Is. It's bloody full time is what it is, especially having two kids. Because even if you do have help, you never really hand your kids over to someone. You're always supervising or you know, asking someone to do things that you wait the way that you want things done. So you're always... You're always there in some way for a long time until you're comfortable enough with either they've grown up and they don't need, which we aren't there yet, or that uh, the person that you have helping you uh, knows how you like things done. And even then, you still have to keep an eye on them. I was really, I guess, really worried about that. And because I, we had twins, I don't think I could have been able, I would have been able to take both of, of them with me to, to work, let's say, for example. That would have been like... A huge thing. I have to say, I think the first six months were actually hell because I remember thinking a holiday for me was going to the office. I know. And I didn't have that holiday, remember? I remember. This is why I think people's advice is very misguided because they don't tell you about the real things that you don't think about. I never thought that it would have an impact on my psyche or my, or my mental well-being that I couldn't go out on a whim, like if I'm having a rough day or I'm stressed, that I'm just gonna go out for a drink with friends for just like 30 minutes. Just go hang out with somebody and have coffee and not think about anything and just kind of like vent. I just remembered something actually. I was at, a, at, a, at, a, at an interview of sorts today with uh, an old friend of ours and uh, we were talking briefly about the kids and then she said, yeah, it must be very difficult. And she, she has a brother and her brother has a child, which I remember, I think she said it was about a year old. And uh, she looks after uh, the child from time to time. Uh, and one time, uh, I think she had a swimming competition that she had to go to, uh, my, our friend. And uh, she, you know, she packed her stuff and then uh, she needed to go. She had the car seat, obviously, and she had a bunch of stuff. And so she gathered up all her stuff as if she was about to go normally. And then she realized as she was at the door that she couldn't take everything and that she couldn't leave the baby in the apartment. And then it just made me think it's like about all these logistical things that you just do not think about. We tried to, we tried to, I think when they were maybe what, six or seven months old, we used to have a little, a little car, a little mini, and uh, we tried to go visit uh, friends on one afternoon uh, to try and be a little bit different. And uh, we ended up having to load the baby seats and the babies through the trunk. Oh God, I hate 
to remember that we had to get rid of that car. My, the Mini was my favorite car in the whole wide world. But it's just these little logistical things that, that I suppose when you don't have kids, you, they don't really cross your mind because it's not something that you would need to think about. I mean, for her, she had to take the baby with the car seat and then put them in the car and then come back and with the baby and get her bag. There's no, she can't leave the baby in the house alone. I mean, if she doesn't have anybody else with her. So it's just these like little logistical things that are sort of very difficult. I mean, if you're cooking and there's no one else with you in the house. Yeah, that's why it was very difficult to do anything but watch them the first six months or the first year. I want to ask you, I had a worry, of course, after I had kids about my body. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, like, yeah. Oh my God, I was huge. And, and it took me a while to recover. Oh, well still taking me a while to recover. I'm still recovering. So did you not think about that? You're not think like, oh my God, my wife is going to be a whale after she gives birth? No, I didn't think that at all. I thought you were a bit of a whale towards the end, but I think- Thank you. <laughs> I think that's only normal. And uh, no, I think you recovered actually pretty quickly for, uh, for, for twins. I mean, I, I have no frame of reference, but I mean, I think remember within a couple of months, three, four months, you were pretty much back to normal. How about that no sex policy that first year? What? No sex policy. Oh, I remember why we didn't. Because I came with you in the delivery room, in the C-section. I was mortified. I was traumatized. I probably didn't want to do anything. Really? Oh, my God. Okay, we don't need to remember it. But, um, yeah, but no, we have. And, that, and that's, you know, that's what people say all the time. They always say you have to continue having sex after you have kids. Yeah, good and luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's like, that's the last thing on my mind. Especially if you have twins, you don't want any more of those fuckers popping out. So that's like contraceptive in itself. Oh my God, it's the best medicine. It's the best cure against wanting to have kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we, we didn't even get anywhere near there for the first year. You know what the best thing is actually, for people who haven't had kids yet, honestly, the best thing, look after a baby for 48 hours. Yeah, they should babysit our twins for 48 hours. No, no, they should babysit someone else's twins. Our, ours are, are old enough now. But I mean, take a baby that's six months old where their life isn't in danger or anything. And, you know, if it's your brother or your sister or whatever, insist you look after them for a weekend. Maybe supervise, but try and do all of it yourself. Actually, try not to make it supervised because if you really want to get the full experience. <laughs> okay. On that note, I wanted to ask you what, what is... Is there anything you think about like, oh, I hope my son doesn't get this from me or I hope my daughter doesn't get that from me? I think about that all the time. I hope they're, they don't get a lot of things from you. Well, I think I'm fabulous, so. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but I hope they get my sense of humor. I agree, they should get your sense of humor. And I wish for them not to get my feet. Oh my God, yes, I hope they don't get your feet. Thanks, bitch. No, what else? What, <laughs> what else do you think that they should get? What, what, have you ever thought about that? Is there something, uh, did it ever cross your mind? A little bit. I mean, I mean I'm not the, uh, what's the word? I don't know the word. As a, as a person, as a way I carry myself, I, it's not my posture, but I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the crispest or, or cleanest cut person. I'm a bit rough around the edges. I don't mind being my son a bit rough around the edges, but I, I hope my daughter is, uh, you know. Like her mom. A little bit, yeah. I would prefer that she's not so rugged like me. Oh, you're so sweet. She's so cute. She's but she looks like you. And she's got your toes. She, I don't care. She's the cutest. She's the cutest thing ever. I know she is. It does. It gets great after a year. Hang in there. Everybody hang in there. You're going to love it. 
Uh, I think we've been very, very negative actually for uh, for most of this uh, for most of this session. So maybe we should say something positive. That's what I've been telling you since the beginning. Why don't you say something good? You make it you make it look like it's awful, or is it just the weekend? Are you still pissed off at me about the weekend? No. Because you know how you can hold grudges for a very long time. No. I'd like to say goodnight at this point. Yeah, me too. I'd like to say goodnight. I'd like to get some like an hour of like maybe Netflix, maybe something before we go to bed and it's the same old thing tomorrow. Okay, goodnight. See you later. So to recap, the first year is tough as nails. And especially for my husband and I, because we went from two adults in the house living relatively carefree to four, six, eight, ten, and at times 12 people in our tiny little 120 square meter flat. So not only were we dealing with our own insecurities on how to deal with infants, but we also had to deal with a whole bunch of people that despite our efforts to appear like we didn't give a fuck, still very emphatically offered us loads of advice and words of wisdom. In that first year to year and a half, I had so much anxiety and depression that stemmed from the fact that I thought that I would instantly fall in love with my babies and I would instinctively know what to do. And because I had struggled for so many years to become pregnant, I thought if anyone would be madly in love and over the moon about having babies, it would be me. And so what that first year of motherhood taught me is that for some women such as myself, becoming a mother does not come naturally, contrary to what most people tell you that it is hard as fuck. And sometimes you'll question whether you made the right decision to become a parent in the first place. But as time went on, for me personally, it was around the 16 to 18 month mark when I felt that I was actually starting to get the hang of it. And it still doesn't come naturally to me most of the time. And sure, I love to still complain about the lack of sleep or how my husband still fucks up, but I love being a mother. And every stage is fun in its own way and challenging in other ways. In the meantime, though, I hope you'll join me every two weeks for Mommy's Happy Hour as I dissect motherhood with some amazing guests to talk about the things we deal with daily and occasionally vent about it all. I'm Heba Shanbo. Our producer is Chirag Desai. And I guess this is where I have to thank my husband for coming on the show. I'm really grateful that he was both honest and willing to say it with the microphone on. You can find the show in your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Remy, or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Mommy's Happy Hour. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>